Amen. Hey, good morning and Happy New Year. We hope that you are doing well. My name is David Newman, and this is my amazing wife, Ashley. And uh, we're here just to welcome you and to say Happy New Year to you and to tell you this is, this is one of those special Sundays um, and just a little backstory on this Sunday. Um, if you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you know that we intentionally partner with the YMCA. We plant a church in a YMCA, and we plant churches in a YMCA. And um, so several years ago, uh, Countryside YMCA said, we're buying this building in Landon and doing another YMCA. And they said, would you plant a church there? And so we said, yes, of course. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, they bought another building in Mainville, and they said, would you plant a church there? And we said, yes, of course. And so um, we have a commitment that every time the Y builds another Y, we will plant another church in those. And so um, once a year, we do something kind of special. In fact, we're hoping it's not once a year. We want part of the story here to be like marriage conferences together and uh, group prayer events together, but at least once a year. I don't know if any of you over holiday time had kind of the extended family reunion where everybody just kind of gets together and just kind of celebrates being back together. Once a year, first Sunday of the year, we gather as three churches and we say, hey, we're all part of this together. Let's, let's dedicate this year in worship to the Lord. Let's come together and, and once again say, look at the story of what God has done and let's uh, connect with each other and connect with the Lord. And so, by the way, um, if you want to get connected deeper here or in any of the churches, we would love for you to fill out a connect card that we have out there. And um, above all things, we are here this morning, not to just do church, but to be in the presence of God and to meet him. So, so welcome. Yeah, and as I was praying about gathering together this Sunday. I was seeking the Lord, and I felt like the Lord gave me a word for our church. Um, and, it, and it came from John 4, where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And um, he says to her, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And um, I just call us to that church Let's be the true worshipers that the Father seeks. Let's not just sing songs and repeat lyrics. Let's take them into our, our soul and say, yes, Lord, 
yes, Lord, this is who you are. And we give you worth and value and praise and glory. And so as we sing and as we listen to God's word, we don't just come just with um, sitting in our seats and saying, okay, what do you have for me? We come collectively as a body of believers and we come together to say, yes, Lord, we worship you. We worship you by agreeing for who you are, by sitting and saying, what do you have to teach us today, Lord? And so that's, that's I think, a call that the Lord would have for us today is let's be worshipers in spirit and in truth. So if you could all uh, stand with me right now, I'll pray for us. Lord, we gather here together as one body and you're the head. And we come to worship you in spirit and in truth and yes and amen to all that you have for us. And so Father, um, let your spirit move amongst us minister here today let us proclaim your goodness as we worship and we love you we dedicate this service to you and this year to you father thank you for your goodness in our lives in your name amen thanks david and ashley a psalm 9 begins with I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of his wonderful deeds. And I don't know if you've had a chance to yet or not, um, to look back on this past year and to see where he has shown up in your life and to give him thanks. So important to do. It will just breathe gratitude into your soul if you do. And uh, we're gonna sing a song celebrating God's goodness. And how many of you know that throughout the history of God's people, there has been a, the most quoted hymn by the Bible is this little response, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is what? He's good and his faithful love, his tender mercies endure forever. And so we wanna look back even on a year like 2020 and we wanna see his faithful hand in our lives and worship and celebrate him for that. So why don't we sing this together this morning? I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days have been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing the goodness of God. Let's sing that again. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me, and all my days have been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, oh, I will see the goodness of God. 
moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Sing Waymaker.
God, we worship you. you. You are the one that makes a way when we don't see a way. You are the one that, that shines light in the midst of darkness, even when things seem so dark. You are the light, and the light is victorious. You work miracles. You make things new. You lead people to you. You shine hope when the world says there is no hope. You are our God. And at the beginning of this year, we 
humbly bow our hearts and our lives and proclaim that you're the source, God. You're all that we care about, God. Let this be a year where we as churches say, even if we seem to get everything else wrong, the one thing we will do, the one thing we will do is seek you and know you and experience you and be people that, that cling to you. Oh God, you are our everything. And so we, we just love you now. We listen for your voice through your word. Would you, would you teach us? We are listening. Your people are here and we're listening. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Um, Good to see you, by the way. Good to see everybody. Happy New Year to you. Um, It's good to be together. There's something in my heart that just rejoices in having our churches be uh, together again, kind of one big family reunion. I don't know about you, but on uh, New Year's Eve, I zoned in on social media a little bit, and I, I was just looking at the posts and the memes and the videos and kind of what everybody was saying, and the predominant theme that just rose up, what everybody was saying, 2020 is finally gone, praise the Lord, we hated it, it's in the background, good riddance, no more of the worst year ever, and finally on to a brand new year, and... Um, and I almost joined that narrative, okay? A lot of people would say that and be like, yeah, everyone's glad it's done. And then um, Ashley and I did what, what Carl challenged us to do. Uh, we went out on a date and we, we just opened up our calendars and just kind of recounted this past year. And we went month by month and said, God, where did we see you moving? Lord, where have we seen your blessing? Where have we seen your goodness? And, and our eyes were just opened over and over to the goodness of God. And we got, we got done with that and our hearts were full. And we were like, you know what, Lord? We saw you move in our lives and in our families' lives and in our church's lives. And we just, we just experienced you. And so it was, it was good for us to say, actually, there was a lot of good in 2020. Now, now let me not minimize something. There was some heartache in 2020, Okay. This was a year where there was some heartache. And let me just name what I think might be one of the great themes of the heartache of 2020. Okay, I would say the word disconnected. Disconnected. If you're taking notes, write down disconnected. And I would say that uh, people felt more disconnected than maybe they've ever felt in their life. They felt disconnected from their family, disconnected from their friends. Um, disconnected from their church family. I hope for many of you that, that maybe were in and out or, or many of you that still need to be watching at home alone, there should be this God-given ache that kind of rises up in you that you were made to be with a body of Christ, the church family worshiping together. You just, you just feel disconnected. And maybe for some of you, maybe not for a lot of you, but, but if we're honest in those quiet, vulnerable moments for many of you. You might just say in the midst of 2020 with all the questions, with all the heartache, with all the what's going on, God, many of you have felt disconnected from God. I know I have. There have been times this last year where I'm like, I've got all the time in the world. Why do I feel like God is so distant? Okay. And if that's so, if 2020 was a year of disconnection, Um, It is our great heart 
goal as a new year begins, to call us as a church to say, let's reconnect. That's the theme of this morning. Let's reconnect, okay? In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to open up God's word, and we're going to say, look at the life of Jesus, and look at the connection priorities of Jesus, and there was a way that he pursued connection in three relational spheres, and, and I'm going to talk about one of them up, and then uh, Pastor Brian from Landon Church is going to teach on the second one, in, and then Pastor Mike from The Gathering is going to teach on out, and we're going to look you in the eyes, and we're going to say, let's reset, okay? If you're disconnected, let's reset, and let's be the people of God that are connected like Jesus was. Everybody got it? Everybody good? All right. If you have your Bible, why don't you join me in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And I want to show you the heart of Jesus. I love this text. Mark chapter 1. As you're turning there, let me give you a little context. The ministry of Jesus has just begun. Okay? He opened up his mouth, appeared on the scenes, and said, Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And immediately things started happening. Immediately lives started changing. Immediately the news of Jesus started growing. And, and one of his first stops was at this little lakeside town in the north on the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. Okay, and he got there and he did what he often did. He went straight to the synagogue, stood up front and began teaching. And immediately people listened to Jesus and said, there is something different about the way he's teaching. It seems to have a ring of authority to it, okay? Now, if you remember, Jesus is the one who is called the Word of God, okay? Very profound. He's called the Logos, the Word, the spoken communication of God. And something happened when Jesus stood up. That doesn't happen when I stand up. Jesus stood up, and the Word of God began speaking out the words of God, and when the word of God spoke the word of God, there was authority unlike anybody had ever heard, and they were, the text says, astonished at his teaching. They were astonished at his authority, and then something happened, which doesn't often happen here. A person stood up, possessed by a demon, hang with me if this is a little weird for you, possessed by a demon, started shrieking, convulsing, saying, we know who you are, you're the Holy One of God. And Jesus took authority over the spirit realm and he said, shut up and get out of him. And the guy stopped and everybody like quasi freaked out and said, who is this? Not, not only is there authority in his teaching, but he takes authority over the very spirit realm. Who is this? What is this authority? And then Jesus left and went to the home of a guy named Simon. I've been to this home. It's this beautiful little scene. He went to this home, and Peter, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, was sick. And Jesus looked at this sick woman, picked her up, took authority over the sickness, and she was healed. And then Peter's like, hey, Mom, would you just, could you make us a sandwich or something? And she's like, yep. And she went, and she made lunch in this hilarious little scene. But what the people saw was here's a guy who takes authority in his teaching, authority over the spirit world, authority even over sickness, and it was unlike anything that this town had ever seen. And so that night, I want you to picture the scene. 
That night, the sun goes down on a long, beautiful ministry day. People have been healed. People have heard God's word. People have heard teaching. They probably ate dinner. They were exhausted, poured out, and there is a knock on the door, and that's where our story begins. Okay, picture this. Knock, knock, knock. Open the door. Who's there? Watch this. Verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Knock, knock, knock at the door. Who is it? It's everybody. Like, the whole city is here. Wouldn't we be too? Like, like picture it. Maybe you're here this morning, you're from uh, Landon Church, and, and you're at a service one Sunday, and there's a knock on the door, and you open the door, and the entire city of Landon was there, like the entire thing. This was probably, at least in human terms, the most successful ministry moment that the world has ever seen. Like, like everybody wanted a part of Jesus. Everybody wanted to be a part of the show. Everybody was saying, sign me up. I want to follow the guy that has authority. And the question kind of hovering over this text is, how do you ride that wave of popularity? Like, what are you going to do the next morning? You're going to set up a show? You're going to, you know, wake up early? Are you going to, like, like... Step into the crowd and begin your crusade. What is Jesus going to do? Now look at verse 35. Watch this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Do you hear the stress behind their voice? They wake up. There's no Jesus. And they go and they find him out in the middle of nowhere by himself. And Simon's like, Jesus, I'm not exaggerating. Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went out throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Why in the world, the next morning, when it's the most successful, incredible, like, ministry moment ever, why is Jesus nowhere to be found? And I want you to see this. It's so important. The central priority of Jesus' heart and life was to connect with his Father. There was an arrow of his life. You could point it up. He said, first, above all things, beyond the crowd, beyond the people, I want to be with my father. I want to deeply connect with him. I want to talk with him and walk with him and hear his voice. I want to know him by the power of his spirit that dwells in me. I want to experience being refueled and replenished and, and just the joy of being deeply connected with my father. That was his heart. And, and this might seem strange, but it's not like abnormal. You can go throughout the scriptures, you can go throughout the gospels, and you flip a page and it seems like the story that you run into is everybody's looking for Jesus. 
And he's always withdrawing. He's always getting away as if to say, when it comes to my life and my priority, above all things, I want to be connected to the Lord. I've been made to connect to him. And can I look in the eyes and tell you something that's so important? I don't want you to miss this. God has made you. He's made you. He's, He's created your DNA with something within your very being that will only be fulfilled when you are deeply connected to your Father. Okay? He's made a hole in your heart. Uh, Blaise Pascal says there's a hole within us that will never be fulfilled until it finds its fulfillment in him. And Blaise Pascal, this famous French uh, philosopher, scientist, one day he had this experience of God where he was overwhelmed with his joy and his presence and deeply connected. And he wrote this poem and he basically said, joy, joy, inexplicable joy. This is what I was made for, joy. And he wrote this poem and he pinned it on his, the front pocket of his jacket so he could wear it forevermore to remind himself that there is nothing in this world that rivals your deep connection with the Lord, and you're made for it, and you'll chase it. G.K. Chesterton, this famous uh, British philosopher, said this quote. It's kind of crass, but hear this. He said, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is knocking for God. Translated, you're thirsty for God. You're chasing God. And some of you will buy the lie that if you chase success or if you chase like money or if you chase uh, a certain like affirmation in some attribute of your life, then you'll be satisfied. Then thirst will be quenched. Then you'll knock, knock, knock on the door. This is what I'm looking for. And God's like, that's not how I've made you. I've made you to be connected to me. I want you to grow in my connection that we have with each other. And so the question for you, and it's a vulnerable question, is how's your connection with the Lord? Do you know what that means? And some people buy this lie that says, hey, I think what this faith thing is all about is like be a good person now. One day, if I'm a Christian, I'll die and I'll go and I'll get to be with God and experience abundant life then. But what they miss is the gospel does not just simply save you for then, but the gospel brings abundant life now. It brings walking with God and experiencing God now. It begins a spirit-filled life who lives in and through you now, and he wants you to be connected to him. And so let me just take a few little sub-points here and talk practically about how we can deepen our connection with the Lord in 2021. Can I do that? Okay, here we go. Here's three quick practical things. Number one, God's word. If you're writing down notes, write down God's word. You want to grow in your connection with the Lord? Grow in your connection with his voice through his word. And let me make something clear, because some of us have missed this our whole life. It's not just Bible reading to get more Bible data in your head so you have more Bible knowledge on a notebook, in a shelf, and you're more Bible smart. That's not what it is, okay? We get to dwell with God's word, Jesus, through his word. And when we spend time in his word, it's like he sets a table and he dwells with us and speaks to us. And so every believer that's growing and deeply connected to the Lord has time set aside in 
God's word. And so I just want to challenge you to think through. I do this every year. How am I going to connect with God through his word this year? In some years, I've done one-year Bible plans. Some years, I've done uh, verse of the day. Every year, by the way, I drive my boys to school, uh, Jackson Hudson, every single day. We read the U Bible version, if you have a smartphone, which I hope you do, goodness gracious. Um, the app, it's the greatest app of all time, I think, is the U version, Bible version, and we just read the verse of the day and we talk about it, okay? There has to be a rhythm in your life where you're getting God's voice through his word in your life speaking to you. And by the way, we and all the churches actually provide a daily reading plan. This would be a great starting point, okay? A, da a daily reading plan. And what we do is just every day is just a few verses and a question where we as a faith family are going after God through his word, okay? I don't really care which one you do. I just want to challenge you to spend time with God through his word in 2021 to deepen your connection to him, okay? Second point, not only dwell with him through his word, here's a second point. Carve out intentional, consistent time where you talk to the Lord. When you become a follower of Christ, one of the greatest things about Christianity is you are indwelt by his spirit in your life and he's in you, and he wants to be with you and talk to you. He wants you to hear his heart, that you would know his gentle nudgings, that you would know how he sees things, his, his vision, and he wants to speak to you. That's, that's what Jesus was doing. Like, why was it that Jesus was always like, where is he? Oh, he's on the mountainside. Where is he? Oh, he's taking 40 days in the wilderness. Where is he? Oh, like the whole city's at the door. What's he He's... Always seeking the Lord and talking to the Lord. And God has made you where you can actually connect to God and talk to the Lord and listen to him. Okay? Even yesterday, um, I, I spent like an hour out in the woods just walking in nature. That's where I tend to connect with the Lord well. Just talking to the Lord and asking him, God, I want to hear your heart. I want to know your vision for this year. And there's something refueling and replenishing when we talk to God. Last night, I didn't sleep much of the night, and, and I just spent time throughout the hours of the night talking to the Lord and saying, kind of praying for each of my sons, praying for this church, just talking to the Lord, okay? And I just want that rhythm to be in your life. Maybe it's in your commute. Maybe it's in the shower. Maybe it's um, at lunchtime for 10 minutes. I don't know what it is, but spend time with the Lord. Third and final thing. Um, every once in a while, God calls us to seasons of renewal or mountaintop seasons of reset where we evaluate our lives and say, God, we want to come after you in this season. We want to seek your face and know your name and come after you. And we as a church, and actually all three churches, are, are boldly invited into this. We're feeling like the Lord has stirred up a season for three weeks where we are going to go after the Lord for three weeks in a season of fasting and community-wide prayer. Okay, and I want to unpack that just a little bit. From January 4th through January 24th, we're calling our church family. Can I have the slide, please? We're calling our church family to 21 days of fasting and seeking the Lord. Now, let me unpack that a little bit, okay? First of all, and, and Carl Johnson has just done a great job 
sort of hearing the Lord and leading this initiative. Okay, so if any questions, you can, you can ask Carl. But we're going to have things like Tuesday and Thursday morning at 7 a.m., gather in the church office, and we're going to pray. We're going to listen to worship, and we're going to pray. Okay, every day, Monday through Friday, at noon, in the Roots Room, which is right across the street, we're going to gather if you're able and pray. If you're not able to get there, maybe you want to set aside noon in your cubicle land and pray. Okay? But we're going to spend time seeking the Lord and going after him through his word. Thursday evenings, we're going to have these worship, prayer, spirit-empowered, seeking the Lord evenings, and we want you to uh, join us. And then on the 24th, we're going to kind of have a celebration to end this time. We believe, can I tell you something I honestly believe with all my heart? God is going to bring a renewal, a revival in our time. And part of how God responds is in response to his people crying out to him. I really believe that. I want you to know, I really believe that. You are going to see things that will blow your mind in the movement of God. I believe that with all my heart. Okay. And then fasting, before anybody like gets all uncomfortable, let me just, let me see if I can simplify fasting. Fasting is not just no food. Let me talk about what I believe fasting is. Okay, in its simplest definition, I believe fasting is examining what we focus upon and depriving something that we focus on and filling that space with focusing on Jesus. Okay? That could be food. That could be fantasy football. Okay? That could be social media. That could be TV media intake. It's saying, what in my life do I focus on? Takes my attention, takes my, my, my cravings. What in my life takes time that I can lessen, abstain, like change the focus and fill that space up with a passion for God, okay? So let me share with you just personally what, what Ashley and I are going to do. Um, uh, most evenings, Ashley and I, put the kids down a bed, pray with them, and then late at night we do this little unwind, we watch a show in bed, and then we go to bed. And so, so um, in this season, in these 21 days, we're going to remove that, and we're going to fill that time up with reading God's word and, and praying. We're going we're to spend that focus space and fill it up with God. Now, we're not going to get legalistic. On January 11th at 8 p.m., I'm going to watch the Buckeyes beat up on Bama. I'm looking for an amen from Drew Johnson over there. All right. We're, good. We're not going to get legalistic about it, okay? But we are going to spend some time focusing on the Lord, okay? Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take social media. I've spent a little bit too much time, I think, on Instagram and old people Facebook, apparently, and I'm going to, I'm going to lessen that time. I'm going to focus on the Lord. And then Ashley and I and many of you are going to do what is a true definition of a fast. Fasting usually has to do with food. But now, here's the key. You've got to hear this or sometimes people get messed up in fasting, okay? It simply means don't make food the focus. Don't, don't spend all these times like, like looking at recipes and blah, 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 making food the focus or it can actually have an inverse effect. What we're going to do is we're going to do something called a Daniel fast. And, and if you'd like more information on that, we have some on documents, links, website, app. And our goal is going to be 
to kind of calm down the palate a little bit, lessen the focus on food, and fill up that space with the Lord. Whether you do that or not, that's up to you. Ask the Holy Spirit, what does he want you to do? What in your life is taking your focus? Where for 21 days, we can say, hey God, it's a brand new season. 2021, 21 days, we're going after you, Lord. We're gonna change up the rhythm of our life and we're going after you because we wanna see your face, know your heart, deeply connect to you because that's what Jesus said. Amen? Okay, so that's the upward, deep connection. And now, uh, Brian Meese is going to talk about a second relational sphere that Jesus was deeply connected to. And because we're in crazy COVID times and it seems like we're doing this kind of thing every week, Brian is going to do it on video and he's going to tell you why and he's going to talk about the second arrow and then... uh, Pastor Mike is going to stand up and bring us home. So look on the screen, and and Brian is going to lead us in the second part. Well, Happy New Year, everyone, and greetings to you from quaint and rainy Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Hey, I'm standing just outside of my parents' home where uh, where I grew up. Um, We traveled here a few days after Christmas to pay my family a visit, and Unfortunately, shortly after arriving, our family began passing COVID. Uh, Everybody's faring okay. As you can see, I just have even mild symptoms myself. But uh, that does mean as much as I hope to be with you in person today, obviously I am settling on sharing via video. But I'm going to seize the opportunity to draw your attention to this beautiful scenery behind me. As you can see, I grew up surrounded by farmland. And Uh, It being Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, the majority of these farms, I think even this one here behind me, are owned by the Amish. Uh, If this were summertime, like you'd probably see a horse-drawn plow here behind me, some Amish uh, farmers working this field. Um, But if you know anything about the Amish, you know they're a, a very peculiar people, right? Centuries ago, they grew very concerned that industrial and technological progress would come with grave social and uh, spiritual consequences and so they vowed as a community to stop progressing and while there's a lot like we could criticize about this approach to life um, every time I can't get my teenager to put down uh, her smartphone I picture the Amish having the last laugh right Um, but either way over time what the Amish have become most known for is their separatist lifestyle They haven't kept up with society, and so they mostly stick to themselves, and they live a fairly insular life. And this presents a number of problems. As professing Christians, they significantly limit their ability to fulfill Jesus' instructions to truly be in the world, but not of it. But even worse, a, a lot of things break down when individuals or even groups of people cut themselves off from others. And while I don't think any of us are in danger of going to Amish extremes, listen, I do worry that if we're not careful, the challenges of 2020 might tempt us into our own forms of separatism. I mean, this past year had many challenges, okay? Uh, Most of the attention has certainly been on the COVID pandemic, but let's also acknowledge that for a, a whole variety of reasons, including uh, some of the racial tension of this year, the, the election, um, 
that it has been a really relationally taxing year. And either from the conflicts that have ensued or the tricky nature of what coming out of social quarantining will be like, I think it's fair to say that one of the things we're all going to need to work on in 2021 is restoring relationships and restoring our relational capacity. And all I really want to say to you today is that it will be worth it for you to do so. I mean, if you have any temptations from how this past year went to sort of stay hunkered down and separated or alone, I want to challenge you to begin thinking about the kingdom benefit that will come from you renewing your commitment to being in with others in 2021. You know, there's a really familiar verse in Romans 12 that says, Now therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I was reflecting on this passage the other day, and something occurred to me that I'd never really considered before. I mean, I've heard this verse probably a thousand times in my life, but like, like a typical American, I, I sort of viewed it through a very individualistic lens. This verse is all about me offering myself as a living sacrifice to God. And there's certainly truth to that. But the language is really clear. Paul writes to brothers and sisters and says to offer your bodies, plural, but notice the language as one living sacrifice. The sacrifice to God is meant to be a collective one. Simply put, this highlights a motif that is it's pervasive throughout the scriptures. Not only can we not fulfill the great commandment and the great commission alone, but truthfully, like even our most worshipful offerings to God are dependent upon others. The Christian life of loving God loving others, and following Jesus simply cannot be lived alone. It's meant to be lived in with one another. Too much separatism will stunt your ability to live the life that Jesus would live if he were you. So as we embark on a new year with fresh opportunity, can I just challenge you to prepare yourself for the hard work of restoring, renewing, and repre replenishing relationships in your life. I mean, you need others to be the living sacrifice that you were meant to be. Hey, sorry again that I couldn't be with you today, but Happy New Year, and God bless you. Thanks. All right, good to see a little bit of Lancaster, isn't it? Hey, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. It's good to be back. We love Antioch, we love Landon, and we miss you guys. So hey, I, I love the new year. It is a great time for everyone. It seems like we all sort of look forward and start planning and uh, reevaluating our lives. And uh, maybe you've thought at an individual level, like maybe I should eat a little bit less sugar, drink a little less soda, and maybe drink out, drink like uh, uh, drink what, what am I trying to say? Like, uh, work out a little bit more. <laughs> work out a little bit more. But um, I love that we we see in the scriptures and we are reminded from, from uh, our churches that the Christian life is intensely relational. 
And so uh, Dave's calling us back to the Lord. Brian's calling us back to relationship with each other, to uh, lean into your church family, to be discipled, to disciple one another. And uh, it's my aim to close up our time with calling us to reach out, to um, be relational and to fulfill uh, our calling to um, move towards or pursue those who are far from the Lord, our, our out arrow. So uh, I'd love to have John 3.16 be our guiding text, the classic Christian text. Do you know it? Yeah? Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that should not perish but have eternal life. Nicely done. Good job. I heard that from you. Uh-huh. Good. So... Um, You know, December was a time when we studied, especially that first section, for God so loved the world that he gave. We spent a whole month, each of our churches, just celebrating the beautiful truths that God gave of his son. He didn't withhold of his son. Uh, Paul says that he did not... He did not um, allow himself to to be selfish, but gave of his one and only son so that we might be saved. It's beautiful. Um, But the time uh, now that I want to spend is uh, especially focused on the words, the world, uh, for God so loved the world. When you you read the Bible, we know that there's different writers in the scriptures, and different writers use different words to communicate different ideas. And so when John said, for God so loved the world, he wasn't as much saying, God loves geography. He just loves, you know, national lines, and he loves the topography of the globe. He, he can't get enough of it. If he was like a major in college, he would be a geography major. Every time when John uses the word world in the scriptures, it is in reference to people. So it's what John is saying to us is that God loves people. But here especially, the original audience would hear, for God so loves not just Jews, but he loves Gentiles too. He loves all kinds of people, all people groups God loves. Isn't that great? He loves them so much that he gives of his son. And the point is this, ready? Whosoever. So God, we learn from this text that he shows no partiality. There is no distinction within God. I love that. Um, Let me just share uh, just a personal story from last week to show the turmoil within even my own human heart, okay? It's not like a big deal, but just trying to display how God isn't like me, okay? So uh, my wife and I and our four kids, we went to Arkansas um, after Christmas, and we saw our family, and we um, there's like a whole bunch of grandkids. I think there's like 16 or something, and... Um, I filled up my plate with the Christmas dinner, got a good amount of ham and like cheesy mashed potatoes and pistachio casserole, I think we call it. Pistachio pudding. Other casseroles, but pistachio pudding, okay? And um, my, my mother-in-law sets up these big old long tables in the garage so that we can all eat together and 
puts in heaters and Christmas lights and like makes it a nice, nice feeling place. And, all right, so I walk in the garage with my big plate of Christmas dinner and um, I notice that there's like one big old long table with all kids and then another table, all adults. And so immediately in my mind, I start making like distinguishing important decisions. Like, I think I'm an adult now. And so like, I go to the adult side, right? And then um, I start like ranking the open seats in my mind. All right, here's a seat open. It's next to my wife and my mother-in-law. Should I sit there? Would that be a good husband move? Do I need to connect with my mother-in-law? Should, would it be good for me and her, me and my wife to connect as a couple with her? And then like my eyes kind of go towards like the middle and it's like, oh, that seat's open. And, you know, that's right across from this person in the family. I don't think I've connected with them. Maybe I need to reconnect with them. And then I was like seeing like all the brother-in-laws sitting at the end of the table. I was like, maybe I should talk about football with them and like reconnect with them. Right. Decisions or distinctions of importance. Where should I sit? And in that scenario, there's not like a right or wrong decision. It's not like a, a sinful or a morally more pure decision. But that's how our mind works, even with simple things like meals. But it also works when we come into church and we come into the Y and we come into social settings. We start looking around and we start making decisions like, who do I connect with more? Oh, this person makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I really get along with this person. I'm going to walk towards them, right? Oh, I don't even know this person. Distinctions. But what the Bible is saying is that God loves whosoever. Like if God were to walk into this room right now, that he would be led by the Spirit and he would say, Lord... Who would you have me talk to? Lord, where are you sending me? Lord, how would you use me now? That's the point. That's his heart. And with followers of Jesus, he calls us to be and do likewise, to be like him. So let's talk about uh, how this text of making no distinctions, loving whosoever as followers of Jesus uh, can apply to our lives. Let's go first individually, and then we'll go corporately as three churches, okay? Uh, so individually, um, we would like to just encourage you and, and pray as you connect with the Lord this year, connect with others, and then, and then extend yourself outwards to have the prayer of making no distinctions with people. So in Christendom, when we talk about like evangelism and reaching out to the lost, a lot of times our insecurities pop up and we're like, oh, I'm not good at that. Or that's not really my wheelhouse, Mike. I don't really, I'm not really into that. Or um, maybe you think like, well, what if I do talk to them about the Lord? What if they say no? And also I know that we're also guilty of saying, what if I talk to them about the Lord and they say yes? I already have enough friends. What do I do if they say yes? I don't think I can help them. I, I'm not good at discipling. There's too many people. I'm already relationally capped out. That would be showing preference or distinctions. And so here's two prayers for, for, for you as an individual. Yeah, 
The first one would be a, like a God gave prayer, right? Like if God gave his son, then maybe I could give my life too. So it'd be, hey, Lord, are you sending me anywhere this year? Lord, are you going to use me in anyone's life? Would you show me who? First prayer. Second prayer, the whosoever prayer, right? Lord, help me not to show distinctions when you send me. Whoever you want to send me to, tall, short, popular, unpopular, red, yellow, black, or white, would you help me love whosoever? Amen? All right, let's talk about it corporately, and then we'll close our time together, okay? So we know that a part of each of our stories is that we're a church that desires to live out the gospel and be Jesus in the YMCA. The YMCA is not a building, it's people. And people come in and out of these doors all day long, every day. And so we want to be Jesus. We want to be the hands and feet and the mouth of Christ to the uh, people that are far from him. And I think, and I know our time is short, and so I just want to say that a good thing for you to do, um, to be mindful of this year as we begin our year, is to value your church calendar and value the YMCA calendar. That's it. Those are two great calendars that will provide an awesome on-ramp for whosoever relationships. It'll nudge you out of your comfort zone. It'll, it'll get you out meeting lost people, new people in your life to build new relationships. Cool? That's the challenge this year. As you look up, as you look into your church, and as you look out to value uh, the church calendar and the YMCA calendar so that we can be the light of Jesus in the YMCA. Um, to help you with that, and not to just go, all right, church, we'll see you next year and go for it. Like, tell people about Jesus. Um, uh, the pastors of Antioch and the Gathering and Landon, we're, um, we've started to record podcasts so that this discussion can continue for the church and for the YMCA. If you're wondering, how do I practically live out Christian principles, my, my Christian life in this place, in my community, uh, we want to help encourage and equip that uh, on a continual basis. And so, um, hey, we love you, and we're praying for you, and we're excited to partner in the gospel this year. Uh, let me uh, pray for us, and then let's cherish and remember Jesus uh, through taking the Lord's Supper together, okay? So, Father, we love you, and we are asking that you would continue to work in our lives just as you said you would. We're holding on to the promise. So I pray that each of us would take a, just a personal inventory, that we would ask the questions of, how am I doing with my relationship with you, Lord? How am I doing with my relationships with others inside the church? And, Lord, how can you grow me and push me to reach out so that others might know you and grow to love and worship you. Would you do that in our churches, Lord? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As, uh, as you are hearing each of these teachings this morning, maybe the Lord highlighted one of those in your life. That God would say, hey, I want to do something new. I want to do something new in your life through this area this year. Um, and here's the great thing about following Jesus. Um, it's not up to you. It's not 
on you. It's not on your effort, okay? He loves you and he's empowered you by his spirit and he wants, he wants your connection more than you even want it. So a lot of it is just learning how to, just to, to humbly submit to him and to let him do what he already wants to do in you. Um, and by the way, this process of connection, it's free, but it wasn't cheap, okay? The night before he was crucified, he said, I'm gonna basically buy this with my blood. And he said, this is my body, it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood, the shed blood of a new covenant poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we take communion to remember that, that it was Jesus who died on a cross, rose from the grave, and bought our connection. Amen. So if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, um, take a few moments and spend some time with him. And then take communion and celebration of what he's done. And then we're going to stand up and we're going to worship together. So take a few moments before the Lord, take communion, and then we'll close in worship.
this morning. It's, uh, it's a, a great pleasure of mine to see so many people at the gathering in Landon, uh, back at our church at Antioch. It's just, it speaks to me of God's faithfulness through the years to our church. And so uh, Kelsey and I this week, we're going to do the same thing that David and Ashley did about looking back at 2020 and, and remembering God's faithfulness and looking at our calendar and seeing how God moved and worked in our life. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. I would also just boldly ask you to fast with us. Uh, fast with us because as we seek the Lord and ask him to change us first and then change our community and change our state and our nation and our world, we want to be a part of what he is doing. So hopefully uh, you guys have these handouts on your chairs. Uh, it says how we're doing it, how we're meeting, what that's going to look like. It's not just an Antioch thing. We would love for Landon Church and the gathering to join in this with us and other people you know that want to fast. Uh, if I could bring one just like point of clarification, if you don't know what the Roots Room is, it's where our high school youth group meets. It's across Deerfield Road. There's a YMCA building that says Building One on it. A couple of our meetings are in that, that building. So it'll be really apparent when you go there at the time on this sheet. But I wanna make sure you know where that is. If you have any questions about that, ask me. Uh, also, pick up a reading plan. We'd love for you to join us as we seek the Lord in that way too. Uh, our prayer teams would love to pray with you after service for anything big or small. So uh, if I can ask our prayer ministry teams to come up right now, and if you want prayer after service, please come to the front few rows. Uh, and why don't we pray right now, and then I'll dismiss us. Let's pray. Well, Lord, uh, we love you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness to our churches. Uh, thank you for our, your faithfulness to the leadership in all of our churches and uh, even to all in all of our lives. Thank you that you are faithful to us. Oh Lord, as we seek you uh, through fasting and through your word, I just pray that uh, you would hear us, uh, that you would hear us and change our hearts and, and change people's lives and that it wouldn't be about us, but it would just be about you moving and working um, even when we don't see it. But Lord, we want to see it too. We want to see you move and work. So we boldly pray that as we begin 2021, Lord, we want to seek you. In your name, amen. Well, you guys, uh, you can exit out behind the stage. There's exits back here, or you can exit out through the main lobby. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, you are blessed. Go in peace.